0: Hello podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am. We got a lot to talk about. And I mean, there's so much news happening in the market and it's hard to keep track of things. And we would like to try to make things a little bit positive today. So, but there are some things we do need to talk about that won't seem as positive at times when it comes to the market currently right now. First things first, GM investing $81 million to handle built, ultra-exclusive Cadillac Celeste Q electric cars. We're going to be talking about that later today in today's podcast. We're also going to be talking about how homebuilder sentiment drops to the lowest level in two years as housing demand slows. This is probably going to be a little bit of a continuation on the story that we have been covering about how two companies recently laid off about 10%, 8% of their workforce. Then we got to talk about some politics that are happening According to CNBC, Biden has sent another $1 billion of military aid to Ukraine. We're going to keep talking about that because, well, if you are a taxpayer within the United States, your money is going to help Ukraine. And finally, we're going to be talking about oil. And and with oil, about how oil fell by 2% because of Fed interest rate hikes. And Joe Biden is still complaining about oil refiners at this time currently. So with that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please, you need to go talk to your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions as I personally cannot make those financial decisions for you. Your financial advisor would know your financial situation a lot better than I would, and I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form because I am not a professional advisor. With that being said, guys, let's begin with today's podcast. GM investing 81 million to handle built ultra-exclusive Cadillac Celestiq electric cars. From CNBC, Detroit. General Motors on Wednesday said it's investing 81 million at its global design and technology campus in suburban Detroit to hand-build the upcoming Cadillac Celestiq electric flagship car for the brand that will be produced in limited quantities. The decision marks the first time GM will build a vehicle for commercial sales as its massive tech campus in Warren, Michigan. It also marks a pivot for Cadillac to offer a hand-built car, which typically reserved for high-end sports cars and Uber luxury vehicles such as Bentley exclusive models as GM pushes to revive its quintessential American brand in a tech-savvy EV carmaker capable of challenging Tesla. Quote, as Cadillac's future flagship sedan, Celeste Q signifies a new resurgence error for the brand, GM President Mark Ruiz said in a statement. GM is scheduled to officially unveil the car next month, only hundreds are expected to be produced each year and cost $200,000 or more per car. Cadillac President Steve Caruso told the Wall Street Journal in 2020, the vehicle will be based on GM's new Ultimate Electric Vehicle platform, which was first used as the GMC Hummer EV. The platform is meant to be a modeler and underpin GM newest, including 30 new models by 2025. In a release Wednesday, GM said that the investment will be used to purchase and install equipment to hand-build the Celestic Cube for campus renovation work that is already underway. The company confirmed that the Celestic Q roof is expected to be one of the first to feature a four-quadrant suspended particular device smart glass that can let each occupant of the car set their own level of roof transparency. Ooh, sounds fancy. Continuing on. The automaker also said the vehicle will feature a new interior screen display that spans the width of the vehicle and include more than 100 3D printed parts. Although machinery is used in making hand-built vehicles, it's largely controlled by humans. That compares to a typical vehicle, which is largely produced on the assembly line using hundreds of robots alongside assembly workers. Good for you, GM, for wanting to compete with Tesla a little bit, but at the end of the day, it just seems like this is going to be, in reality, your car you're making. I mean, it should compete with Tesla, but at the same time, it sounds like you're trying to compete with Ferrari, with the hand-built, with the limited quantity of cars that you're going to be making. I hope this works, or else you're wasting a lot of money on this. I mean, to be honest, we we got to see what the car looks like. Maybe the car will be having a slick design, and maybe the young people coming up will be able to want to get that car one day and buy posters and put it up on their walls in their house or maybe some rich billionaire or millionaire will want to buy it. It's hard to tell, but it's good to see that GM is wanting to at least try something that will be hand-built. Something tells me the parts are going to be a little bit more expensive than they're realizing, and potentially the price of the car might go up in value as well, because if parts prices keep going up with inflation currently, well, there's no way someone's going to be only just buying two, uh, the car to be worth 200000 There's just no way. I don't see it happening, my personal opinion, though. But good for you, GM. Keep working hard. I mean, maybe we got to look into GM stock. Maybe this becomes a little a little boost in the future because people would then be like, well, if you buy a GM car, you, get, you potentially one day could be, be getting this better car at GM if you work hard one day. It's hard to tell. But good for you, GM. Let's see what you can create against Tesla now since everything apparently has to go electric. In the real estate market's currently, home builder sentiment drops to the lowest level in 2 years as housing demand slows. Man, we've been talking about the housing market a lot recently, but it's good to be able to see that things keep building upon itself keeps building upon itself as we talk about this stuff in this podcast which helps us be able to understand what the heck's happening in the housing market. From CNBC, sentiment among the nation's home builders fell for the sixth straight month to the lowest since June of 2020 when the economy was grappling with shutdowns stemming from the COVID pandemic. The National Association of Home Builders Wells Fargo Housing Market Index fell two points in uh, two points to sixty seven in June. Anything above fifty is considered positive. The index hit ninety at the end of twenty twenty as the pandemic spurred strong demand for larger homes in in suburbs. Of the index three companies, buyers' traffic fell by points to forty eight, the first time it has fallen in negative territory since June of twenty twenty excuse me. Current sales conditions fell one point to 77 and sales expectations in the next six months fell two points to 61. Quote, six consecutive monthly declines for the HM1 is, correction, HMI is a clear sign of a of a slowing housing market in a high inflation, slow growth economy. Environment said NAHB chairman, Jerry Conter, Quote, the entry-level market has been particularly affected by declines for housing, affordability, and builders are adopting a more cautious stance as demand softens with higher mortgage rates. The average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage has risen sharply since the start of the year. In January, it was right around 3.25%, and as of Tuesday, it hit 6.28%. According to the Mortgage News Daily, mortgage demand has fallen to less than half of what it was a year ago. Builders also continue to face supply-side chain challenges. Quote, residential construction material costs are up 19% year over year with cost increases for variant of building inputs, except for lumber, which was experienced recent declines due to the housing slowdown, wrote Robert Dietz, NAHB chief economist. Regionally on a three-month moving average, sentiment in the Northeast fell 1.271. In the Midwest, it dropped 6 points to 56. In the South, it fell 2 points to 78. And in the West, it dropped 9 points to 74. I don't get what these numbers fully mean at the end of the day but we do know this. Okay. We reported yesterday or two days ago that there were two companies in the real estate market that were laying off 10%, 8% of their workforce. Okay. Listen to that podcast. If you want to understand a little bit more of what's happening, but their exact quote in one of those company was, we don't have enough work for our current real estate agents to do. In all seriousness, that was an exact quote from the CNBC News article. We read it twice. It was that 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 quote stuck out the most. Okay. Not only that, we've talked about too how millennials and Gen Zers want to buy a house, but one of the biggest hurdles they have is they can't currently afford it. So if they can't currently afford a house, home builder sentiment, I mean, I'm sorry, but home builders are gonna potentially be hit next, at least in my opinion. I mean, it's kind of the perfect storm right now. Yeah, people can't afford houses because potentially costs are too high or inflation potentially. Maybe wages aren't keeping up with the average American who's trying to buy a home. You also have companies that are having to lay off real estate agents because there's not enough work for them to do. There's a lot of houses, but not a whole lot of demand currently right now. Or maybe housing prices eventually start dropping. Who knows, hard to tell. But home builders, something tells me that you might not be building as much anymore soon. I hope not. I mean, I hope you guys can keep working, but it just seems like that's where things are currently going right now. Okay. Going on into the politics sides of CNBC News, Biden to send another $1 billion in military aid to Ukraine. Oh, good. More money being sent to Ukraine. Let's read what's being sent this time, because we talked about, it. I think it was $12 billion last time, if I'm not mistaken. From Washington, President Joe Biden announced another one billion in weapons for Ukraine on Wednesday, including anti-ship systems, artillery rockets, and rounds of um, howitzers. "Quote: This morning, I spoke with President Zelensky to discuss Russian brutal and ongoing war against Ukraine. I reaffirm my commitment that the United States will stand by Ukraine as it defends its democracy and support its sovereignty and territorial integrity in the face of unprovoked Russian aggression." Biden wrote in a statement. Biden also announced an additional $225 million in humanitarian assistance for Ukraine to address the needs like safe drinking water, critical medical supplies, food, and cash for families to purchase essential items. Okay, I don't see how the cash part's going to help, but I mean, if you're in the middle of a war, cash kind of seems worthless at this point. Continuing on the article, the White House said Biden spoke to Zelensky for about 40 minutes regarding the capabilities, including the latest package, which included 12. U.S. military assistance installment for Ukraine since the start of the war, since Moscow invaded on February 24th. The Biden administration has deployed more than 100,000 troops to NATO members' countries and authorized more than 5.6 billion in security assistance. The Pentagon said that the latest tranche of weapons for the Ukraine is valued at 350 million and includes 18, 155 mm Hollisers, 360, correction, 36,000 rounds of 155 mm ammunition, 18 tactical vehicles to tow 150 mm howitzers ammunition for high mobility artillery rocket system or HM or HMARS, I believe HMARS, I believe as well as four tactical vehicles to recover equipment and spare parts. The Pentagon will also provide two Harpoon coastal defense system, thousands to secure radios, night vision and thermal devices, as well as funding for training and maintenance support. That aid is collectively valued at $650 million. The latest security package comes as Russia force forces ramp up their attacks in Ukraine Donbass region and the defense secretary Lloyd Austin meets with allies at NATO to galvanize additional support. Quote, we're working in lockstep to meet Ukraine requests for new co- uh, capabilities, especially in the need for a long range armory and coastal defense. Austin told defense ministry Wednesday, Wednesday at NATO. Continuing the quote, we're providing Ukraine defenders with HIMARS, HIMARS, I mean, sorry, HIMARS, and multiple launch rocket systems that will significantly boost ukraine's capabilities he added alongside ukraine's ministry of defense and i do not know to say his name so i'm not going to say that right now it's good to know that this money is being sent to ukraine but i still have to wonder is it going to be worth it in the end i mean if ukraine falls to russia that's a lot of military equipment that russia is going to end up getting And not only that, but that's also a lot of money that taxpayers are sending over to Ukraine. We got our problems at home currently right now. And I mean, I'm for the freedom of people. But at the same time, I mean, why does the United States have to continue to be the world police? It's a serious question. I mean, who's really benefiting from this war currently with Ukraine and Russia? What companies are currently making these items that are going to potentially see their stock price increase because they were sending taxpayer money for aid to Ukraine? And that's not even counting that once those defense systems, I guess, get taken over by Russia, how much more is going to get wasted? I mean, this is almost like, okay, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, who knows how much money we had lost in Afghanistan? I mean, they just love spending money. And we currently just have a lot of our own issues at home, but they just love spending money to help people. Uh, I, I mean, we're going to report this when we can. We have to. But it's also kind of sad that stuff like this isn't talked about in the news because I think like the Lockheed Martins, the Boeings, the Raytheons, they're benefiting from this war. And obviously ammunition companies too, whoever's making the ammunition because ammunition's needed to fight a war. So... I mean, those stocks are probably going to maybe do well. It's hard to tell. We'd have to look into the annual reports to see where they actually made their money, but that's just my opinion. I think those three companies are probably benefiting from the Ukraine-Russian war right now. And the other thing too is, if you haven't noticed, they are not talking about it as much anymore on the news. Makes you wonder why. But we'll talk about it once once a few articles come up, obviously. So continuing on with, I guess... I guess this is intertwined with each other. Oil prices fall over 2% as Fed hikes interest rates from Houston rudders. Oil prices fell more than $3 on Wednesday as the markets worried that a fall in demand after the Federal Reserve hiked interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point. Brent crude food for August settled at $2.07 or 2.2%, at $118.51 at the barrel. Having fallen a low as $117.75, U.S. West Texas Intermittent Crude for July fell $3.62, or 3.04%, to $115.31 a barrel, after dropping to a low of $114.60. The biggest hike by the U.S. Central Bank since 1994 also sent dollar also sent dollar higher with the dollar index rising to the highest since 20, 2002. A stronger greenback makes U.S. dollars price oil more expensive for holders of other currencies curtailing demand. Meanwhile, U.S. crude production, which has been the largest stagnant over the last few months, edged up 100,000 barrels per day last week to 12 million barrels per day at the highest level since April of 2020. Data from Energy Information Administration showed quote, a little bit of uptick in domestic production may be the first sign of more to come, said John Kilduff, a partner of, again, Capital LLC. The data also showed a build in U.S. crude stocks and distilled inventories, while gasoline posted a surprise drawdown on the back of the summer driving season. Drivers around the world were tolerating record high prices for road fuels, data showed. The European Central Bank promised fresh support and new tool to on Wednesday, to temper a market route that has been fanned fears of a new debt crisis on the euro area's southern rim, but appears to have disappointed investors looking for bolder steps. Adding to demand woes, China's latest COVID outbreak has raised fears on the new phase of lockdowns. Higher oil prices have been weakening economy forecasts and dimming futures demand prospects, for International Energy Agency said. But persistent concerns about tight supply meant oil prices were still holding on $100, $120 a barrel. The organization, of the Petroleum exporting countries and its allies known as opec plus are struggling to reach their monthly crude production quotas recently hit by a political crisis that has reduced libya's output quote because opec production is still failing noticeable short of the announced levels this would re- result in supply deficiency to around 1.5 million barrels per day on the oil market in the second half of the year said carstein Fritsch, commodity analysis at commerce bank of frankfurt Oil prices gain some support from tight gasoline supply. US Joe Biden told US companies to explain why they're not putting more gasoline into the market. And we have to end with that on this one because Joe Biden is still complaining about oil companies today. In fact, this is being reported today. Biden blasts oil refineries for record high gas prices and profits. U.S. President Joe Biden on Wednesday demand oil refining companies explain why they're not putting more gasoline on the market as they reap windfall profits, sharply re-escalating their rhetoric against industry as he faces pressure over rising prices. Biden wrote to executives from Marathon Petroleum Corp., Valerie Energy Corp., and ExxonMobil Corp., and complained that they had cut back an oil refining to pad their profits, according to a copy of the letter. The letter is also sent to Phillips 66, Chevron Corp., BP, and Shell. A White House official who declined to be identified told Rutgers. Why is the White House official, why is this information being hid? hidden? Like, why is that these people can't be quoted? That's what I want to know. Continuing on, at the time of war, refinery profit margins well above normal began passed directly onto American families are not acceptable, Biden wrote. Adding the lack of refining was driving gas prices up faster than oil prices. Biden said the industry lack of action is blunting the administration's attempt to offset the impact of oil-rich Russia invasion of Ukraine, such as releases from U.S. oil reserves and adding more cheaper ethanol to gasoline. Meanwhile, energy companies are enjoying bumper profits as the invasion has added to supply squeeze, which has driven crude prices above $100 a barrel as fuel demand has remained robust despite record high gasoline prices. White spokesman's person Carrie and Jen Pierre on Wednesday went as far as to say refiners have a patriotic duty to increase supply and cut customers costs. Quotes, we're calling on them to do the right thing to be patriots here. She told reporters. Okay. I looked into this a little bit. Okay. And at least we, we had to dive a little bit into this just so we can understand what the heck is happening. And we've, this, we've talked about this because Joe Biden ripped on ExxonMobil earlier this week. And we discovered, in at least what we looked into, remember, ExxonMobil hasn't bought back shares since 2016, and they didn't reinstate that, that uh, buy share buyback until 2021. Their dividend didn't get increased during COVID. It didn't get increased until, I think it was earlier this year in 2022. Oil has been getting hit hard recently, okay? Oil companies were not profitable for the longest time, Okay. And I'm not saying it's good for oil companies to be profitable right now when people are feeling it. But the decisions you currently make, Joe, are potentially affecting the market in the oil, okay? Think about it. You canceled the Alaska drilling, I believe it was. We've talked about that in a past podcast. You cut, you stopped Keystone Pipeline. I believe you smiled when you signed that executive order to stop the construction of Keystone Pipeline, okay? You're making it more difficult to potentially build, okay? Because I looked into this, I, I literally was like, I wonder how much it costs to, or not cost, but how long it takes to build just an oil rig. Okay. You know, the ones that are off the coast of either the Gulf of Mexico or off the go off the coast of California and all that stuff. On average, it takes two to three years to build an oil rig. Okay. And that's probably not even counting the FDA approval or not FDA whatever government agency it needs to do to look into it to make sure it meets all the qualifications that you have to make. And there's no guarantee that once it's built that you're gonna make your money back on it because the oil markets could crash. In fact, there is an article from 2017 and it might be a podcast as well. It's hard to tell, but it's called The Long Read, where oil rigs go to die. And the article goes into details about how long it takes to build oil rigs, what happened in certain parts of the world when they built oil rigs, they're not easy to build. It takes time. Then I thought, well, how long does it take to build an oil refinery? Because that's what Joe Biden's been complaining about. And on average, it takes an oil refinery, according to this government data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration, which I believe is a government website, Takes about, I think, if I remember correctly, I read like 15 to 18 months to build on land. And that's probably also not even counting the, all the regulations they have to go through as well. In fact, the last refinery that was technically built, according to this website, was in 2018. And that was built in Channelville, Texas. Okay. And it didn't start operations until 2019. Okay. So, and the other thing too, Chevron's reported that there will probably never be another oil refinery built again. So Joe keeps complaining, but his actions and policies he's putting into place isn't going to help the oil market change in any way, shape, or form. Oil prices are going to keep staying up high. Says here later on from the article that we just keep reading about about Joe Biden, U.S. refineries are running at near peak levels of processed fuel, currently at 94% of capacity and say there is little they can do to quickly satisfy biden's demands quote our refineries are running full out bruce uh Niemer, corporate vice president on strategic sustainability as chevron said on the sidelines at roger's energy transition conference on tuesday before the letter was made public shell is producing at capacity and looking to add options to increase oil and gasoline production a spokesman person said exxon which has been the focus of President Irie against oil companies last week, has invested to expand their refining capacities by 250,000 barrels per day, an equivalent of a medium-sized refinery since spokesman Todd Splitter. I also believe too, if I remember, because I think we talked about this in past podcast, or maybe I had just read it and just didn't talk about it at the time. I think ExxonMobil had also pulled out of Russia too to, fo- to focus more on another oil project because there was like some fear that because they were pulling out of russia was going to affect exxon stock but because of the other place that they were working on it was supposed to allow them to be able to make more oil per day or something it's hard to keep track of all these articles but we keep reading about them so and it says here this is the interesting part the administration in the short term because this is something they could do the administration in the short term could lift the jones act provision that forces domestic shippers to u.s flagged vessels and employ union labor or lift regulations that prohibit the use of cheaper smog causing components in summer blends of gasoline splinter said and of course all these oil companies did an immediate comment and it goes into the article too about inflation woes biden has been intensifying attacks against oil companies as gas pump prices race to record highs about five dollars a gallon and inflation surges to a 40-year record privately white house officials have been reaching out to refineries and this is interesting that they're reaching out to the refineries To inquire about idle plants and spare capacity of whether there are other ways to increase gasoline supply, according to sources familiar with the discussion, rising gas prices have helped drive unexpected persistent consumer price inflation and voter anger before November 8th midterm elections, where Biden's Democrat party is defending its control of Congress. Biden has attributed rising oil prices primarily to US-led sanctions that took Russia energy supplies off the global market. But he also has taken the fight to major oil companies, which are, rise, which are riding rise energy prices to record earnings and giving those profits to investors rather than spending on new drilling and refining capacity. And of course, he goes into the famous quote that says, Exxon made more money than God this year. It's disgusting. It says here, Exxon Splinter said the the top US producer has invested more than 50 billion over the past five years that resulted in nearly a 50% increase in US oil output. Okay. And the U.S. Energy Secretary, Jennifer Garnholm, plans to po- host an emergency meeting on how refiners can respond to higher prices, Biden said, asking for a response from oil companies beforehand. Biden said that they should provide concrete ideas to increase oil refinery, along with the explanation for why they may have cut such capacity in the last two years. Yeah, I hope they drill into you, Joe Biden. I really hope you do. I really hope they do. And hopefully things will make you realize some things. I mean. Well, companies weren't making money the last few years. They weren't. I remember reading that Exxon Mobil was having to use debt a few years back to pay for their dividend and their share buybacks before 2016 because they weren't making any money. They weren't. And if anything, all these policies potentially is going to keep causing the market to be insane right now. Okay. Every decision made in Washington's affecting the market, everything they do. And whether this meeting, I mean. Maybe he's just trying to pander to his share, uh, not the shareholders, his voter base, I guess, to be like, look, we're trying to do something, but oil companies aren't doing their job. I'm sorry. Oil companies want to make money. And in order for them to build, they probably have to go through so many hoops and regulations. And at the end of the day, if they tend to build the stuff and you add a new regulation before the project's done, they'll lose money. and Just scrape the project and just say, you know what? It's not worth it. Keep an eye out, guys. Gas prices are probably going to continue rising and we're going to continue to feel it. And Joe will probably continue to complain about it. And if you're invested in oil, you're probably making a ton of money right now. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. I ask that if you did enjoy this podcast, that you please like and share this vid- uh, podcast with friends or family so that we can continue to grow this channel and be able to talk about what's happening in the market that the market's not talking about. I mean, for crying out loud today, they were mostly talking about the Fed rate hikes and... How it's going to go up by 0.75 points today. And uh, there's other things that are happening in the market. We don't always need to talk about the main news that's happening. With that being said, guys, please comment, like, share this podcast so we can be able to keep growing this channel so we can keep talking about what's happening and obviously share with friends or family. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, guys. Thank you and goodbye.